Welcome to the Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Lewis, and today we're talking about how to work on your thoughts, a step-by-step process. Hey, Mama's of Midlife, welcome back again. I just want to do a quick reminder, if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to go and do a rating and review on the Apple Podcast if that's where you listen. Basically, what you do is you scroll down to the bottom of the podcast, the list of podcasts that I have, and that's where they have a place to do a rate and also review. So if you would be willing to do that, that'd be great. So last week, I did the interview with my husband, and it was so much fun to do that podcast with him and to hear his thoughts. I wasn't quite sure what he would share specifically when we did the interview. So it was kind of interesting to just see what, what he, what his thoughts were. It was very insightful for me and I hope it was insightful for you. Speaking of thoughts, I talk a lot about thoughts throughout my different podcast episodes. But as I was recording last week, I realized that I haven't gone through and done like a step-by-step process on the podcast of how to work on thoughts. So I thought that that might be something helpful kind of as a follow-up from my podcast last week with my husband on thoughts. A cognitive model is something that I use with clients to help them to kind of break down what's going on in their thought process. And it's related to a therapy modality called cognitive behavioral therapy. The American Psychological Association says, and I'm quoting from their website, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is a form of psychological treatment that has been demonstrated to be effective for a range of problems, including depression, anxiety disorders, alcohol and drug use problems, marital problems, eating disorders, and severe mental illness. There's actually other things that it can be used for as well. Quoting them again, they say that numerous research studies suggest that CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy leads to a significant improvement in functioning and quality of life. In many studies, CBT has been demonstrated to be as effective as or more effective than other forms of psychological therapy or psychiatric medications, end of quote. This process of cognitive behavioral therapy is supported through scientific research as well as in clinical practice. Again, quoting from the American Psychological Association in the explanation of what the core principles of CBT are based on, it says, quote, CBT is based on several core principles, including one, psychological problems are based in part on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking. Two, psychological problems are based in part on learned patterns of unhelpful behavior. Three, people suffering from psychological problems can learn better ways of coping with them, thereby relieving their symptoms and becoming more effective in their lives." End of quote. 
I have seen this process to be really effective for those that practice and use it. I've especially seen its effectiveness in my own life. In learning how to start doing this work, and I'm just gonna give you kind of a brief overview today. In learning this process, one is essentially learning to identify thoughts or cognitive distortions that are problematic in one's life, and then evaluating those thoughts. Then identifying the associated feelings with those thoughts and the associated behaviors or what someone does as a result of those thoughts. So what we have with the cognitive model is first we have a situation. And a situation is something that happens. It is covering only the facts of what has happened without any kind of interpretation. So when writing this out, the first thing you would write is situation. And it needs to be extremely factual. Um, I saw a boy cross the street, or my child walked to the refrigerator and took out the jug of milk. Or it could be, the situation could be quoting somebody, such as somebody said, and then you put it in quotes. Basically, this would be something that you could support with facts in a court of law. So if you had a camera, you could support that what the situation that happened really happened. That's all it is. It's just the facts. Now, we have thoughts about these situations. These thoughts could be lots of different things. Using thoughts, we interpret a situation. And these interpretations are not always accurate. There's many ways to think about the same situation. So that's the next line. So first you have the situation, and then you have your thought about the situation, and then you have feelings. I've talked about this before, but our feelings come from the way that we think. So we experience emotions based on our thoughts about a situation. That's what it is. That's where our, our feelings come from. And then we respond to the thoughts and the feelings, which is our behavior, which is the next part in the model. You respond to the situation based on your thoughts and feelings. So a cognitive model, just to go over it again, and I'll give some examples to kind of solidify this. You have a situation, and then you have a thought about the situation, and then you experience a feeling or maybe feelings and then there's a behavior or something you do related to those thoughts and feelings. Now, there is a very popular life coach. Her name is Brooke Castillo, and she developed something kind of similar to a cognitive model. And the only thing that she does different than this is she adds a result at the end, which I actually kind of love. It helps us to see what the result of the overall model is. Okay, this is best going to be illustrated by an example. Here is the situation. Let's pretend we have a coworker who we have a relationship with, like, you know, this is someone you're friends with, and they walk past you in the hall and do not say hi. Now, this is, this, this is just the facts. Again, we only want to find the facts of the situation. If we had a camera in the hall with audio, we could prove that this coworker walked past you and they did not say hi. 
Now, the next part is you have a thought about that. And that thought might look like, ooh, did I do something wrong? Or is she mad at me? And when we think that thought, we have feelings about that situation related to the thought. And that thought and the feelings might be feeling hurt, maybe feeling offended. And then the connected behavior or what we do is can't stop thinking about what happened. You keep ruminating, like I walked past her and she didn't say hi to me. And later when you see that coworker in the hallway, you ignore her or act coldly towards her. So that could be one cognitive model. Now, it's very important to be able to look at the feelings that are going on first. And just to be able to look at the thought that's going on just to be able to like look at like, oh, I'm thinking that I did something wrong or I'm thinking she's mad at me. That's kind of interesting. I always encourage people not to judge themselves when they start looking at their thoughts because that's a that's often what people want to do. They look at the thoughts that are going on related to a situation and they think, why am I thinking that way? Or that's dumb. I shouldn't be thinking that way. But just kind of get curious about what your thoughts are. And then... Think about the emotions that are going on. It's super, super important not to ignore this part. It's you've got to pay attention to what you're feeling and to allow for that emotion and to allow for it to process. I did a podcast on this back on episode 16 called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon Acknowledging Emotions. And in that podcast, I talk about the importance of acknowledging emotions and allowing them to be there and that that's part of this process of doing a cognitive model you don't want to ignore the emotions okay so after we've kind of looked at what we've been thinking we've acknowledged the emotions we've allowed for them to be there we've kind of looked at maybe what we need related to the some of those emotions then we can decide if we want to continue to believe that first thought so here we have the same situation a coworker. Who we're friendly with walks past us in the hallway and doesn't say hi. The first way we thought about it was, oh, did I do something wrong or why is she mad at me? And we realized that that's not really working for us. We don't want to think that way about this person because they're our friend. And so we decide to make a small shift in the way that we're thinking about the same situation. And here's a couple ways to look at it differently. She didn't even notice me or she must have a lot on her mind. So same situation, but two completely different ways to look at it. Now, if you were to think she must have a lot on her mind, maybe you're gonna feel compassion for her, or maybe you'll be unfazed, or maybe just kind of neutral, like, oh, it's okay, she's just got a lot going on. And then your behavior would be, you wouldn't be spinning about it all day in the office, wondering what you did wrong or you're not going to give you know you're not going to give it a second thought and then when you see that coworker again in the office you're going to act warmly to them as if nothing even happened it just business as usual friendship as usual right okay so that's the first situation now i have a different model that i want to share with you this situation is a hypothetical one but it could be you know something that we all could connect with so the situation is a husband goes for a drive by himself for one hour. 
So again, just the facts. Now, our thought about that is possibly he does not want to be with me. And when we think that thought, then we feel rejected. And then the behavior or how we act is maybe we're calling and texting, wanting to know where he's at. Maybe we're looking for reassurance that he's not mad at us. Maybe when he gets home, we nag at him for leaving or we're spinning about why he doesn't want to be with us. And then when he does come home, maybe we even ignore him or act coldly to him. And then the result of that whole scenario is we're disconnected from husband. Let's look at this situation a little bit differently. We process that feeling of rejection. We then kind of look at our thoughts and decide that we don't really want to believe that he doesn't want to be with us. So the thought is that would be an alternative way of looking at the situation is he had a stressful day and he's needing to decompress. And you know this because he told you earlier, I'm feeling pretty stressed from my day at work. And you also know that that's one way that he decompresses or that's one of his coping skills is just to go on a drive and kind of just kind of let go of steam. So if you were to think he had a stressful day and he's needing to decompress, then you might feel something like, I don't know, maybe compassion, or maybe you'd be more neutral about the situation. And then the behavior or what you do is you would continue, maybe you would continue with the evening and not even think any more about it. And then when he comes home, you maybe are showing compassion towards him or like, hey, is there something I can do for you? Or do you want to connect? And the overall result of that situation is that you're being supportive of him and staying connected to him and not disconnecting like it was in the previous model. So again, I just want to emphasize that a cognitive model is not to be used to avoid feelings. So you maybe, for example, maybe you notice that you're feeling sad because your son just screamed at you. That would be the situation. The idea is not to just hurry and change the way you're thinking about the situation so you can get rid of that feeling without taking time to process the emotion of sadness first. So just to summarize, a cognitive model is a way of being able to look at our thought processes and maybe cognitive distortions that we're having. And the way that you do this, you could get a pen and paper and write this down when you're doing a cognitive model, and you can even do a search on the internet for cognitive model and learn a little bit more about it that way. So you write down the situation, which is just the fact of the situation. Then you write down one thought related to that situation. You may have a lot of different thoughts and each of those thoughts would be a separate model. But do write down the situation, write down what your thought is about the situation, what you are feeling, and what your behavior is related to the thought and the feeling. And then if you really want to take it an extra step, you can write what the result of that overall model is. And then just kind of observe it. Look at it. Get curious about what's going on for you with your thoughts. And then you get to say, you know what? I don't know if I want to think this way about that situation. 
Or there may be situations that, you know what, the way you're thinking, that is what you want to keep, or you want to keep that thought for a little while. Maybe you need a chance to process through it, and you don't want to move on to an alternative way of looking at it, because you need time to process the emotion and allow for whatever is going on with those thoughts to kind of just be there and process through them. You don't have to be in a hurry to move on to a different thought. So I hope this is helpful. This work has been so imperative to a lot of my healing that I've experienced in my life, particularly related to anxiety. I will do thought models often when I'm kind of stewing about a situation or something I'm struggling with. Oftentimes what I'll do is I'll write out all the different thoughts that are going on for me related to that situation. And then I'll pick one of those thoughts and I'll put it into a model and I'll be able to identify what I'm feeling related to that thought how I'm behaving and the results I'm getting. It's super informative and it gives you a lot of information about yourself. All right, that's all I have for today. We'll see you next week on the Mamas and Midlife Podcast.